Hi, and welcome to Talking Startups at NYU. I'm your host, Giovanni Fumé. This is a show where I talk to people from across our university to examine the existential condition of the entrepreneur, especially as they become an increasingly visible and discussed slice of American pop culture. My guest today is Joshua Sakai, one of the four active co-founders of Ephemeral, a company designing a tattoo ink which disappears over time. This ink is not yet out on the market as the product is still in the development phase. However, as you will hear, the product relies on an ingenuous redesign of the ink particles, which break down over time and ultimately disappear completely. In this episode, we discuss the organizational implications of trying to navigate the front-loaded heavy R&D lift that these type of innovative products require. It's also interesting to hear how Josh, as a 21-year-old who is currently on a leave of absence from NYU, is managing the expectations of being in the pre-product phase for a good that may potentially revolutionize the multi-billion dollar industry that is Tattoo Inc. I hope you enjoy the show. And as always, you can follow us on iTunes or SoundCloud, and also on social media. Just look up the NYU Entrepreneurial Institute on Facebook or Twitter. Hi, Josh. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So um, just for people to get a little bit of context about you, you're uh, at NYU now. What do you study? What year are you in, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, so year is a bit ambiguous. I took a leave. I anticipate potentially taking more leaves, so it's pretty much I'll graduate when I graduate. I have a couple semesters left. Uh, I'm in Stern studying computer science and data science. Okay, so how did you guys get together? Yeah, so it actually started off um, kind of serendipitous. So my co-founder and CEO, Sung, uh, when he you know first thought of the concept, he was working in a protein engineering lab. Okay. And he kind of just pitched the idea to a few mentors in the labs about, hey, guys, I have this idea. Can we build a removable tattoo ink, which is actually the first idea we started off with. And they said, yeah, I think this is this should be doable. You know, this seems like a feasible idea. I have an idea how we can build this. Uh, why don't we start together? And so they entered the NYU Stern at the time, 200K, now 300K. So things are going well for them. Uh, competition. Uh, blasted out an email looking for a business co-founder. Uh, I saw the email. I thought it was the best idea of all time. And I said I had to be part of this. So people can kind of understand the difference between a normal tattoo and your tattoo. Could you briefly explain how a normal tattoo works? Yeah, sure. So what's cool is the application process is exactly the same. So okay. when you get a normal tattoo, you'll go to a tattoo artist. They'll have a bunch of inks laying around for different colors, whatever. Uh, they'll take their tattoo machine, dip it in the ink, put it into your skin, and there. There forever. For us, it's the same exact process, which okay. is really, really beautiful, right? Nothing changes. You have the yeah. same exact authentic experience. Uh, only difference is you're using a different ink. So the artist will use an ephemeral ink instead of a permanent one. So at a biological level, what's actually happening in each one, and why is one erasable and why one not erasable? Yeah, good. just a small distinction. So the first product we actually started to build was an erasable tattoo. And since then, we've kind of pivoted the strategy for a couple of reasons. And what we're building now is a tattoo ink applied the same way, so that hasn't changed, except instead of it being erasable by some other mechanism, it'll go away completely on its own. Okay. And we're building inks with different time spans. The first one we're launching is around a three- or four-month tattoo, and we're also developing longer-term inks. So you can get a six-month one, a 12-month one, and eventually even longer. And so what's the actual biomolecular innovation that happened 
why is it now that this product will go away when the traditional one doesn't? Yeah, so I first have to explain how regular tattoos yeah, work, yeah, which would make that, a lot more sense. Yeah. So let's say, so imagine a, a bunch of really, you know, I guess small dye molecules. These, this is the ink, right? A bunch of small pigments, and you put it inside the skin using the tattoo machine. And what's interesting is the second the tattoo machine penetrates your skin, your body goes into immune response and tries to basically eat up all of the ink. So you've got this battle between your body's immune system cells called macrophages and the tattoo ink molecules. But the reason why the ink molecules win is because not only are they larger, but they actually clump together to form these massive aggregates of ink. And these aggregates are basically so large that your body can't remove them. And this is an ongoing battle that happens basically for the rest of your life. So what we've done differently is we've taken really small dye molecules, dye molecules that your body can basically absorb. So if you put the dye molecules in your skin, your body would take care of it, no problem. But to make it kind of last longer, we've encapsulated these dye molecules and you can think of it like a sphere or a capsule or a shell. And over time, the shell breaks down. And when the shell is completely gone, the dye molecules are taken away by your body. The traditional tattoo sounds quite aggressive. Is it something that's like not necessarily super healthy to put your body under this amount of stress? Yeah, that's a that's a good point. So the actual components in regular tattoo inks really aren't great for you. So there's a lot of heavy metals and plastics. However, I must say that there hasn't been that many cases of any real damage caused by the ink itself, which is why they're generally perceived to be safe. Even though, if you look at the components, a lot of those things... Uh, really aren't the best for you. How hard has it been to kind of navigate what you can do with tattoo ink and what you can't do? Because I'm guessing there's rules around putting stuff into people's bodies. So that's that's actually quite incorrect, which is mind-blowing. Really? Uh, the, the FDA does not regulate tattoo inks. Um, they're categorized as cosmetics, but they don't actually implement any regulation on any tattoo ink company. So the tattoo inks today, no regulatory body, no health agency has ever looked at them. Okay. No one no one is really observing them. You know, that being said, they do still go through safety studies. We're still going through very rigorous safety studies. Um, and the practice of tattooing is regulated at the state level. But the, the FDA doesn't really take a look. To me, now that we talk about it, a non-permanent tattoo seems basically like a no-brainer. You're basically eliminating the biggest pain point in the industry. Why hasn't it been done before? So that's a, that's a great question, and it's been tried. So around 10 years ago, there was a company called Freedom 2, which tried to tackle the same problem with a slightly different approach. And they were trying to build tattoo inks that were permanent, but more easily removable with laser surgery. So right now, laser is really the only way to remove a tattoo, but for a regular ink, it'll take 10 to 12 sessions, 500 bucks a pop, uh, super painful, and most times doesn't work. They were building an ink that would be, you know, maybe two or three or four sessions it would take to remove most of the ink. Um, but they, they ultimately didn't, didn't work um, for a couple of reasons. So, A, the tech wasn't really there. The ink didn't look as good as regular inks, and because of that, the market didn't like it. And B, I mean, 10 years ago, the tattoo industry just wasn't where it is today. Mm. You know, today it's become this massive thing. I mean, the latest stat I saw was, you know, one in two, almost one in two millennials has a tattoo. That's nuts. Like, look at, look at, look around college campus. Look at Soho. Walk, walk around, you know, yeah, any cool area. East Village, you have a tattoo right yeah. here. Giovanni has one. You know, it's really become crazy how popular these things have become. And at the same time, it's also become interesting how 
the actual work being done has changed. You know, 20, 30 years ago, the first tattoos people were getting weren't some, you know, small decorative piece in their forearms. It was typically a more large and more hidden piece somewhere on their torso or their back. It's become this fashion statement. And the thing about fashion statements is they change, you know? Mm. You're not wearing the same clothes you wore when you were 12. You're not listening to the same music you were listening to when you were 15. So I think we're at a really, really great time in the market to start to really introduce a product that would allow you to express yourself with a tattoo in a way that isn't permanent. Was there like a particularly bad tattoo story that you heard made you want to go into this? Oh man, I've got to tell you the story about Sung's first tattoo. Okay. And I hope Sung appreciates this and doesn't <laughs> want to cut my head off for, for broadcasting us on the podcast, but I've got to say it's a great story. Um, so this is actually the story that really brought this company to life. So I'm very appreciative for Sung getting his first tattoo. <laughs> Uh, so when he was, when he was an undergrad, you know, he wanted to kind of be a badass and be cool. It's kind of rebellious phase. Uh, so he got a tattoo and he comes from a traditional Asian family and they were strongly against tattoos. But Sung, you know, being the rebel he is, goes anyway and gets a pretty nice sized piece on, on his, on his bicep. Like yeah. not a small piece. He can't really hide that with yeah. a t-shirt. Right. So he goes home and his dad sees it and his dad says, Sung, you've, Basically, you know, you're, you're either getting rid of this tattoo or you're getting rid of you. Yeah. So when he comes back to New York, uh, he tries to find a great laser clinic, tries to go through removal. He finds one, one of the best around, uh, pays 500 bucks for one session and was told he needed to come back for 10 more sessions over the span of two years. Not even like Jesus. back to back, knock him out in a couple yeah. of weeks. Two year process. And the first one itself caused permanent damage. So there was actual scar tissue being built up. On his, on his bicep. It wasn't like, oh, we'll just put this on and, you know, removal will be, will be a flawless process. It was painful and it hurt and it caused permanent damage and it was expensive. So that, that was the time uh, when he actually thought there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way we can build a tattoo ink. There must be something we can do to make an ink that's removable, to remove a tattoo, to make it, you know, degradable by itself. And that, that's really how it all started. So what was the response like both from people who you were pitching to and potential customers. Do people think this is like a viable idea? Do people get excited? What's been the response? Oh, so uh, I guess I can say the most fun response is the one where we're actually the most hated. You know, people who don't have tattoos but always wanted one, obvious cool product, right? Like, finally I can get ink, this is really cool. I might even get more over time. I can engage in like a dynamic way, whatever, fine, predictable. What I find the most fun or most interesting is whenever you approach somebody who's already fully inked, right? They've got 10 plus pieces on their body, um, there, there's somebody we would call, you know, with all due respect, a, a tattoo purist. They firmly believe in the, the idea that tattoos should be permanent. And if you're trying to kind of break that mold, you're breaking the beauty of a tattoo and you shouldn't be doing it. Um, and what's fun is if you look, if you, if you were to, uh, we have a few videos that have gone pretty viral online on Facebook, like a few million views. It was really cool. Um, what was even cooler is the comment section because you see a battle between the people who hate our guts yeah. and the ones who are saying, "Ah, oh, you know, this actually could be really cool. I can, you know, I can test out a design. I might want to get over time and you know express myself gradually." And, and then people are like, "No, no way! Worst idea ever! Who's gonna get this? So much pain!" Ugh. When when you think about the normal ink piece is gonna last someone's whole life, and the product you offer 
maybe a year, maybe six months, but less time. Does that factor into pricing? Like when you consider a tattoo that's going to be done by a non-permanent ink, does it have to be done cheaper? Or do you think people won't mind paying the unlimited time price or the same price? Good good question. So so pricing is still something we're, we're internally yeah. going back and forth on. But the way I, I view it is this is a premium product, right? And just because it doesn't last as long, it doesn't mean it shouldn't cost as much. In fact, it's quite the opposite, right? There's a value to the temporary uh, aspect of, of the product, and you can think of it as an insurance premium on regret, right? Mm-hmm. You're, 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 you're paying extra to make sure that you're not stuck with something you don't deeply care about in 20 years. Yeah. What's your approach to, to go into market? Are you going to try to use tattoo artists as reps? Like How, how will that work? Yep. Good, good question. So the way we actually want to launch is by opening up our own shops. And the first shop, lucky for NYU students, is going to be in New York. So it's like a brick and mortar strategy in the long term, or how does that scale? Long term, we're still trying to figure out. But what we know for certain is when we launch, the most important thing is building the brand. And it's really hard to build a strong brand for a physical product if you can't control the physical experience, right? So if we were to sell to, let's say, a few shops, um, we wouldn't really have control over how the artists behave, what the shop looks like, what is the music in the store, you know, how many windows are there, where is the shop? And that's really key to creating a sticky experience, especially because the thesis of the company is people aren't going to get one or two tattoos in their lives. They're going to get one or two tattoos every couple of months. It's going to be a recurring experience. Now, once we've built the brand, and once we've you know proven it's a sticky experience, it's a great question as to how are we going to scale this? How yeah. is every person in America, in the world, going to engage with an ephemeral tattoo, right? Um, and it's such a good question, I actually don't have the answer. Okay. And it's something we'll be, we'll be figuring out after we launch. So how useful are you finding it to be a student while being an entrepreneur? Do you think it's a hindrance or does it give you upside? So, so I'll, I'll put it this way, right? There's a ton of resources that NYU offers you and that other universities offer its students, especially those that are, that are trying something entrepreneurial and trying to you know, build something on their own. And I can honestly say that we, will, we would not have been here if it wasn't for the help of NYU, you know, Stern, Berkeley Center, especially the Leslie E-Lab. They've been an immense help, like crazy. But they've also been helpful after the rest of my co-founders have graduated, after I was on a leave of absence. Those relationships don't end, which is a beautiful thing. So, so I think once you've already cultivated the relationships that are useful at the school, um, honestly, it's a, it's a it's a fairly large time commitment to still be to still be a student. And if I didn't have such an amazing team to to back me up and support this decision, I don't think I'd be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming. This was a really awesome conversation. I yeah, hope it goes I really well. had fun being here. So thanks. Awesome cool studio as well. So yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed that. So thanks for staying through the whole episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to follow us on social media, just look up NYU Entrepreneurial Institute, Facebook, Twitter. We'll be posting new episodes going forward. Please feel free to follow us on SoundCloud or iTunes. um, And feel free to reach out to me directly with any advice or questions. If you're an entrepreneur at NYU and would like to participate, my email is talkingstartups at wnyu.com. That's talkingstartups at wnyu.com. And I hope to have you here next week. Thank you so much.